Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. Right. Good morning. And I'm happy to see you guys. How many of you are excited to be together again? So excited. That's pretty good. We're, this is the, the third service, so everyone's had more coffee than 8.30, so we're ready to go. I've had more coffee, so I'm more ready to go. I'm excited about uh, the message today. We're back into the series, Different, and if this is your first time with us, we're going through the books of First and Second Peter, and uh, man, I just really believe that, I mean, I believe this every week, but especially, especially this week, this message is for you. And I believe that, that God is going to speak to you personally. It's a message for all of us, but for each of us personally, this message is going to connect with something going on in your life. I believe that, and uh, I know that God is ready to do something. Let me start with something encouraging, because I like to be encouraging. Here's a, a quote, to live is to suffer. Uh, woo! No, that's not the end of that one. To live is to suffer, to survive is to find meaning in the suffering. Now, normally I wouldn't quote an atheist in church. That seems kind of weird, right? But this, this statement is true, and it, it has a lot to do with what Peter is telling the Christians in his day. If you, if you haven't been here, or maybe you've forgotten, uh, this letter was written between 60 to 65 A.D., and Peter is writing it to Christians who are scattered and they are suffering, and they are facing struggles and problems. And so he's telling them basically the same thing. To live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning in the suffering. Part of that that's true, two statements, even though this was written by an atheist, two things that are true. Suffering is part of life. How many of you have already learned that? You're probably thinking, Pastor Chris, I don't need you to tell me that. I suffered even this last week. I know it's part of life. If you're suffering, you're just normal right? It's part of life. We all suffer. Look at someone next to you and say, you're normal. I see some of you, that may be the first time anyone's ever, t- no, I'm just kidding. That would- and then the second thing is we must find meaning in it. Suffering is going to come. Suffering is going to happen, but we must find meaning in it. And Peter was telling the Christians, there is meaning and there is purpose in what you're going through. It's not for nothing. He was telling them, hey, suffering is is here. You're facing it. There's going to be more to come, but there's purpose in this. God is going to do something. So suffering, it comes to all of us at one time or another. Difficult times, betrayals. Probably many of us in this room have been betrayed by a close friend or family member. It hurts. Disappointments, heartbreaks, the death of a loved one. Suffering is the result of a, a fallen world. You know, sin entered the world when, when Adam rebelled against God, and it's because of that sin that there is suffering. Otherwise, we would still be in paradise, right? We'd all just be, wear, we wouldn't even be wearing leaves, I guess. I was going to say we'd all be wearing leaves, but let's not get a picture of that. Uh, but anyway, this is, he's talking about the suffering and talking about the purpose, and Peter writes to them about having hope, living holy being different, being people of another kingdom. If you remember, the key verse for this series has been in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, basically saying, friends, this world is not your home, 
So don't make yourself cozy in it or don't be comfortable in it. We're part of another kingdom. And he's telling the people that although we all face suffering, it's just temporary. One of the things he's saying is, hey, this, you, you are going to suffer. And it is painful. It does hurt. But it's temporary. You can get through this. And if you remember from two weeks ago in uh, chapter 3, we're finishing chapter 3 today. But when we started it, he was basically telling us that, that suffering will come and even Jesus suffered. He said, even, Jesus even suffered just to be able to bring you to God, to bring you back into his presence again. Jesus had to suffer so we could come to the Father again and be welcomed into the kingdom. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, we read this two weeks ago. It says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. How many of you have any type of suffering on the blessed column? in your life. Like this is like, here's blessed, here is not blessed. How many of you have any kind of suffering written here? Is it, he's, got, he's saying, if you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. That's not how the world sees it, right? We keep suffering on the not blessed side. If you were suffering this week, you're like, man, how was your week? Well, I, I've done everything right, but I really suffered this week. Hashtag blessed, you know? <laughs> it, we don't do that. Some of the world, they see you like you're suffering, and they're like, man, why is God angry with you? What did you do? You, someone sees suffering, and they're like, what did you do wrong? It doesn't work like that. Peter, Peter was saying, if you suffer for doing what is right, that's blessed. You're blessed even then. Don't fear the threats of the enemy. Don't be frightened. Why? Because there's even meaning in the suffering. There's purpose. God is building you. He's strengthening you. God doesn't cause the suffering. He doesn't bring suffering to us, but sometimes he allows the suffering so that it will build something inside of us and use it for our good. Uh, I learned about something this week called kintsugi. Anyone know about this Japanese art form? We have some pictures. Let's just hold up on this one for a moment. We have a few pictures. This is kintsugi, and it's basically like a piece of pottery that has broken into a bunch of pieces and they repair it by putting the pieces back together with gold. It's a beautiful thing. And, and they don't even hide the fact that it was broken. I think we have another couple of pictures you could show. This one, it's really unique and, and beautiful. If we could go back to one of the bowls for a moment. I like the idea of this because I think this art form of kintsugi really relates to our life as humans. You know, basically, we all end up being a bunch of broken pieces, right? And, and we, have, we, we have things that happen in our life and, and hurts and suffering and struggles. And there's, there's scars and there's cracks and there's broken pieces that are missing. And at some point in our life, we just feel like, man, I'm just a mess. I'm broken into a bunch of pieces. Now what? And, and we look at this art form, and, and one of the descriptions of this is, Referring to them as precious scars or recognizing beauty in broken things. That's what God does. He recognizes that. What they do in this art is putting it back together with gold. It ends up making the piece stronger and more beautiful. And that's what God does with our lives. With all the broken pieces, the broken heart, the, the scars from sin and struggles and suffering 
And God says, hey, because he doesn't throw broken pieces away. He says, hey, just bring the broken pieces to me and let me put you back together. Let me, let me fill those wounds with gold and make you stronger than you were before. I'm not going to hide the scars because those are precious. Those show things that you've been through and made it. I'm going to just make those scars beautiful. That's a testimony to the world. I'm going to make your scars shine. Even the bad things that have happened in your life, I'm going to make that shine to the world, and they're going to know that you are mine. Isn't that what life is? How many of you feel like when you came to God, I know for me personally, I didn't feel like I was offering him anything. I felt like I just brought a bunch of broken pieces and said, here I am, God. What can you do with me? And he put me back together. Imagine if like that art, can we show a picture of that bowl again? Imagine if like this, we didn't try to hide our scars. Even as Christians, we spend so much time, so much time trying to cover the scars up. We don't want people to know what we've been through. We don't want people to know our, our past sins that God has rescued us from or our different struggles in our life. We try to cover those things up. But in this, the, the beautiful thing about this piece is the scars. That's what's precious about it. That's what tells the story. That's what shows that it has been healed and repaired. Imagine if we let those things be out in the open. And share with someone, hey, see this scar right here? I had marriage problems, but God healed it. Look at this one. I, I was involved in this sin and struggled for years, but God set me free and forgave me. He, he filled it with gold. I'm, I'm even stronger than ever there. I don't, I don't even deal with that anymore. Man, my, my parents got a divorce when I was six years old. This wound was open for a long time. But when I gave the pieces to God, he... He put gold there and sealed it back up. It doesn't hurt anymore. The, the wound's there. You can see where there's a scar, but it's healed. It doesn't hurt, but there's a testimony there. And I had this problem with one of my kids. You can still see it, but God took care of it. That's how our lives are. It's a, it's a beautiful thing when you recognize what God can do with the broken pieces. The Bible tells us that God can work all things for the good of those who love him. And I can tell you in my life, even the worst of the worst things that have happened in my past, I've been with God long enough that I've seen the worst things be used for my good. Something bad from my past, even back when I was a teenager, something I've been involved in and God has saved me and healed me. And you can still see the scar, but it's beautiful now. It shines with gold because God did something there. And I've been able to tell someone about it that's struggling with the same thing, and God can set them free. That's how we become more valuable. It's not more valuable to God. You can't be any more valuable to God. He can't love you any more than he already loves you. But you're more valuable in your testimony. So God puts the pieces back together. He says, hey, bring me the broken pieces. I love you. I can make you beautiful I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to make you shine. And when you shine, everyone's going to know that you are mine because I'm the only one that can do that with broken things. How many of you are happy that God doesn't bro throw broken pieces away? Man, it's so awesome how much God loves us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. That's what we're looking at today. The, uh, we did chapter 3. We started it two weeks ago. And I, I left off with these verses because it's, it really wasn't connected so much with the other part of the chapter. And plus, I had so much prepared that last time. We're just looking at these four verses of 1 Peter today. 
And here's the exciting thing. This is the most uh, confusing and most difficult portion of Scripture in the entire Bible. It's known as the most difficult part of the Bible. When I was, was reading that a couple weeks ago, I was thinking, why in the world did I pick First Peter to go through together as a church? We could have skipped this and gone to an easy one, right? But God wants us to know even the difficult things. So we're going to look at this. As I read this, you'll understand what might be difficult about this and causes people some questions. Let's dive into verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. What? That's, that's proclamation, announcement. He made announcement to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and power in submission to him. Let me encourage you in this. Here's, here's what happened here. We know Jesus died for us. And he died not only a physical death. We know he died physically on the cross. Jesus died spiritually. Spiritual death is separation from God. When Jesus took all of our sins on himself and he cried out, Father, why, do you why have you forsaken me? That was spiritual death. Believe me, that is more painful than the physical part. And we've read the story. We know how painful the physical part was. But when you imagine Jesus for the first time in all eternity being separated from his father, that was the worst pain that Jesus experienced. And he did that for us. We don't talk about that much. Physical death, spiritual death. And then it, he was put in the tomb. He was buried. And it says he was brought back to life by the Spirit. So the Spirit brings him back to life. This is before he resurrected. And after that, he goes and makes the declaration or the proclamation, the announcement to the enemy. This is what's going on those days before he comes out of the tomb. Those three days. And we read in other parts of Scripture... Uh, even just a few weeks ago, that he comes with the keys of death and Hades. He's taken the authority away from the enemy. He's taken the control away from the enemy. He has all the power, all the authority, all of the control. All of this happens in those three days. He has this moment of victory, and it is a huge victory. Huge victory. And when I think about this, this week, and I don't know, maybe it was because Carrie left this week. She's in the U.S. for three weeks. And I was thinking about this victory, and I was thinking back to our high school days. And I was at every one of our high school football games because I was in the band. And let me explain. It was American football, which always feels weird to explain because we do not use our feet in American football. Does anyone else think that's weird? If we didn't call it football, we wouldn't have to explain American at the beginning of it. You know, we could have just called it handball. Then we don't have to say American handball. There's only one guy that uses his foot, the kicker, and he only comes out every once in a while. We use our hands in football. That's weird. But anyway, 
when I say I was at the football games in high school, it was that football with hands. And I was in the band, in the trumpet section, and I was at every one of the football games. We played songs to cheer on the team. If we won a goal, we, we blasted some music that was very encouraging to our team and intimidating to the other team. If our team seemed down or, or the other team had just scored, we'd try to play something to add some mangat and lift their, lift their spirits back up, you know. From my seat in the band section, I could see this beautiful cheerleader down here in the cheerleading section. That was Carrie. And I'm playing my trumpet. I could see the cheerleader and thinking, I want to marry her someday. And all of this, this was my high school experience at the football game. And when I was thinking about Jesus' victory here, it made me think about some of the cheers that we would do. One of them, I think we have it on the screen. It says, we've got spirit, meaning team spirit. And this is what we would do from the band section. We would yell to the other band section. The band would not yell at the football team because the football team was bigger than the band. <laughs> a band can intimidate a band. A band cannot intimidate a football team. So we get that straight. So we yell at the other band, and we would yell, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? And then they would answer back, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? You guys want to try that? I haven't done this any other service. Let's split right down the middle. You guys do it one. You guys are taunting this side, okay? And you guys do the other one. You guys are the separate bands, okay? Let's start over here. Look over at these guys. Are we ready? And you guys tell them, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? All right. One, two, three, go. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? Oh, okay. That we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? Whoa. And then you guys got to do it again because they, they got louder. Let's try it over here again. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? All right. Man, that was perfect. Thank you, guys. We haven't done that in any other service. And then, and then someone at some point would say, we've got what? We've got what? 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 We got some... We've got more, 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 more. I'm not going to do all the dancing, but it was all about we've got spirit. And Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says that we've got spirit. It says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. That's what made me think about this, this, this cheer. The same spirit that raised Jesus, this whole victory that we see with Jesus, this whole cheer could have been going on. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? And it says that spirit that raised Jesus after the physical death and the spiritual death and the spirit raised him to life again, that same spirit lives inside of you. Have you ever thought about the power that God has placed inside of you, if you are a son and daughter of God, you have that power inside of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? That means this room that we meet in, this is not the church. You are the church. We bring God to church with us. We don't come here once a week to meet with God like he's just sitting here hanging out all day. Oh, what time do they come again? Haven't seen them since last Sunday. No, he comes with us. 
God's spirit is inside of you. We gather together, and, and it makes us stronger, and we come in here together. But we know that the, the scripture says, where three or more are gathered in my name, there I am also. It, the, it could just be a few people gathered together, and you can have church. We gather together to encourage, to inspire, to lift each other up, to study God's word, to hear from him so we can go out and be the church out there. We've got his spirit. That's how we can overcome the world. That's how we can face anything that comes our way. Any suffering in your life, you can face it. And just like in the intro video, you can use it. Not be used by it. When problems come, use them. That's what Peter's saying we can do. You have the spirit of a champion living in you. Isn't that good? You have the spirit of a winner. Aren't you glad we don't have the spirit of a loser inside of us? I felt like I had that already. When you meet God, you no longer have a spirit of a loser. It's a spirit of a winner. Jesus won the victory, and that spirit that gave him victory lives inside of us. Can you turn to someone around you and say, you are a champion? So here's four quick points of how to win in this life. Number one, see your obstacles as opportunities. See your obstacles as opportunities. Your, your opposition, opposisi, halangan, tantangan. Those are the same, right? Things that get in your way, things that hold you back. See them as opportunities. The, the, the biggest obstacle in your life right now could be your greatest opportunity. If you will see it that way and use that ob ob uh, obstacle for your good, just like God says, er he can use everything for the good for those who love him. You know what this feels like when you have an obstacle in your life. Maybe it felt like you were, you, everything's going good, you're running after God, and suddenly a big rock falls right in your path. Usually it feels like the big rock falls right on your head, right? It feels worse, but let's just think in your path. You're running, and then an obstacle suddenly. It could have happened the moment you met Jesus. I remember in my life, you know, I've shared a little bit, a little bit about the problems in my marriage early on. Carrie and I, in our eighth month, we're seeing lawyers to get a divorce. What I haven't shared is I became a Christian before we separated, I became a Christian a few months before the marriage fell apart. I accepted Jesus. I had someone pray with me, and I was like, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. I started reading my Bible every day. I had a friend. I invited him. Hey, come to my house. I'm reading the Bible, and it's changing my life, and we're reading the Bible, and I was running, and suddenly, boom, a big rock fell in my path. Marriage problems. Carrie and I separated. I moved in to my dad's house. She moved in with some friends. We start calling lawyers to get a divorce. Could you imagine that, that moment? I thought it was the end. Maybe you've experienced something like that. You're running after God, and boom, this big problem, and suddenly you're thinking, God, what is this? I just gave you my life. Shouldn't everything just be rainbows and unicorns? Shouldn't there be a bluebird singing on my shoulder every morning? Zippity-doo-dah, zippity isn't that what Christian life? What is this rock? I'm following you, God. I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I read my Bible. I'm praying. And now I've got this obstacle, this huge obstacle. I remember when God led us to, to start this church. 
Huge obstacles started falling in our way. We knew God told us to plant the church. Why all these rocks, obstacles, and opposition? Our family had put a target on our chest. Seemed like the enemy was hitting us with everything he had. You can ask some of the launch team from the beginning. I'm sure it was the same thing. Things start hitting us from where you wouldn't even expect it. Family problems and, and, and situations with people that have been friends for years and years. Suddenly, all of these obstacles and problems. God, why is this happening? I'm trying to serve you. I'm doing what you told me to do. Why do I have problems when I'm doing what you told me to do? And I don't mean just suffering and obstacles in the beginning. I mean ever since starting the church. is spiritual warfare. And if we can see those things when they come and recognize them, we can use them to our advantage. We can use them as opportunities. I know that everything that comes my way is going to make me stronger. That's why I can face it. I know that all the suffering I've had in my life helps me to be a better pastor because I can be compassionate. I've been there. I hurt too. I don't, I don't just have sympathy. Oh, Cassian, everyone that has problems. I'm up here on the stage. I don't know. I have empathy. I've been there too. We all have the same life. We all have the same struggles. We all have the same suffering. We all feel pain. It's not sympathy. It's empathy. That comes from suffering. I can understand. I can use those for my advantage. Family problems, I can talk to people that have family problems. Hey, I know what it's like. I'm going through some things. Marriage problems, hey, here's what God did in my marriage. We can use the obstacles as opportunities. When we're Christians and we're trying to serve God and we're following him, our armor gets banged up. You know, if you see a warrior in armor, it doesn't look shiny and new unless they haven't been to battle, right? You see a warrior with shiny armor, it's all shiny and brand new. That's someone that hasn't really been doing very much. Oh, you look all shiny. Often as humans, we're drawn to the shiny one. Oh, so shiny and clean. The one that's doing something is the one over here, and the armor's got blood stains. It's dented up and cracked and, and barely walking in. Like, man, that's the one that's been doing something. That's how our armor looks. If you've been serving God and you've been following him and still experience suffering, spiritually, your armor looks like that, banged up. But just like I talked about with, the, with that Japanese art form, with the, the kintsugi, God fills those cracks with gold. He strengthens you. With every hit you take, he makes you stronger. He makes you more valuable. You can keep going in the battle. Something else is coming your way. It doesn't even stop you. A big rock falls in your path. It's no problem. You know you can get past it. Let me uh, show you this video really quick because this is actually, I almost skipped this, but this is what I was thinking about when I was thinking about obstacles. Have you guys seen this in Neos? Look, there's Tegu over there. This guy jumps higher than Tegu, and Tegu's a tall guy. These guys have got a big rock in their path. And when you see this, I want this image to be in your head because this is how a Christian should face obstacles. I want you to keep this in your head when you're facing something in your life. Whatever it is right now, this is how God made us to face the obstacles in our life. This is how God made us 
to face the big rocks that drop in our path. It doesn't make sense that with a big rock there, you start running faster. That doesn't make sense. But he used it as a stepping stone to jump higher than ever before. That's how God created us. Normally, the rock falls and we stop, we slow down, we back up. What's going to happen now? But with God, we can run faster and we can use that to jump high. God made, made my marriage stronger. He saved me. All the little struggles along the way, they, they prepared me for what I'm doing now. I thought we were going to plant the church in 2010. I'm so thankful we didn't. I wasn't ready. I probably had some cracks that needed to be filled. I've had a lot of cracks in my, <laughs> in my life. Some of them not from doing right. God had to fill them with gold. God had to put the broken pieces back together. But I want you to trust me today, whatever it is you're facing that that big obstacle could be your greatest opportunity. Whatever it is in your path, I want you to look at it just like that guy in Neos. I'm going to jump this thing, and I'm going to jump higher than I've ever jumped before. That's how we face obstacles. Jesus said in John 14, verses 30 through 31, he said, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Jesus is basically saying, I'm about to use Satan for my plan. Hey, I'm not, I can't talk to you much longer because opposition is coming. Satan is coming. Don't worry, he doesn't have any hold over me. I'm allowing him to come so I can show the world that I love the Father and that <clears throat> the Father has commanded me to do what I'm doing. With Jesus, obstacles equal opportunities. The second thing, how to be a winner, don't be troubled, be a troublemaker. Some of you are like, I'm already there. Number two, check, troublemaker. I'm looking around this room. I see some troublemakers, this row over. I'm sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, guys. Don't be troubled, be a, be a troublemaker. Acts uh, chapter 16, verses 16 through 20. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. There's two pretty cool things there. One is just a side note. Here's someone fortune-telling, and they're telling the truth, and Paul saw it as a demon and cast it out. So be careful with those things. The other thing is this. These guys did something good. They cast a demon out, and the people of the city said, these are troublemakers. They're making trouble. That's what the early church was like. They, they shook things up. A verse in Acts chapter 17 says, they were turning the world upside down. When you have obstacles in your path and you jump over them, that makes trouble for Satan. Because he's putting those things to, there to try to stop you, to try to slow you down. He, he can't touch you, but he can put things down to try to make you quit. 
man, this, this problem in my, in my marriage is too big. I can't get past this. I'll just quit. That's what he tries to do. Man, I don't know, I don't know if I can handle this family problem. I don't know if I can handle this, this financial stress, this, this situation. I can't get past it. This thing with my, with my parents, this, this obstacle is too big. I don't know if I can handle this. The enemy's dropping those in your path, trying to stop you. But when you don't let it stop you, you become a troublemaker. Satan doesn't like that. When I didn't quit on my marriage, but instead gave it to God, that caused Satan trouble. When we planted this church in spite of the, the obstacles and the opposition, that caused Satan trouble. He doesn't like that. He wants things to be his way. But even as Jesus said, hey, this is coming, but I'm just going to use it as my opportunity. When death came, Jesus was facing death. This, this is a big obstacle, death. Yeah, don't worry. I'm going to use this as my opportunity to save the entire world. And that spirit that was in him to do that is inside of us. It's a powerful thing. Jesus was a troublemaker. How many of you know that? Our Savior was a troublemaker. That feels kind of cool to say. Yeah. Who do you follow? I follow a troublemaker. His name's Jesus. He makes trouble everywhere he goes. Satan thought he had him beat. He killed him. Jesus wouldn't even stay dead. That's a troublemaker. I thought you were dead. I had you. No, nope, I'm alive because I'm a troublemaker. He caused trouble. He caused trouble in your life, right? He caused trouble in my life. I was perfectly fine living the, the sinner life, you know? Actually, I wasn't. I was miserable. But often we feel like that. Things are going along, and suddenly Jesus appears, and my whole life is turned upside down. Suddenly everything changes. If you follow Jesus, that's what happened for you. Everything changed. Something happened. A troublemaker came along and changed your life. Church is supposed to be a place filled with troublemakers. Church is not supposed to be a place filled with people wearing shiny, brand new armor, just reading words from an old book. That's boring. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a church full of people with banged up, cracked up, blood-stained armor, reading the words of God, and then going out and turning the world upside down. I want to be a part of a church full of troublemakers. And when I look around this room, I feel like I've come to the right place. You know I'm right. Hey, have you ever wondered why God brought you to this place? Have you ever wondered from week to week? You're like, man, my, my life was going fine. Now every Sunday, God's drawing me here. Why am I here? I think it's because God knows that you can be a troublemaker. And he wants you to cause some trouble for the enemy in this city. He wants you to shake things up. He wants you to go out and live differently and turn the world upside down. He's drawn you here to be a troublemaker. I can see it on your faces. <laughs> the, fourth, or the third thing is this. Don't skip to number four. After the test, testify. You probably heard there's no testimony without a test. I like how that works in English with test, testimony. It doesn't work in every language, but with this one it works. There's no testimony without a test, without the suffering, without the struggling. Think of it with the, with the, with the, the art that we looked at. The pottery wouldn't have gold in it if it hadn't been broken in the first place. The pottery wouldn't have become more beautiful and more valuable and more strong if it hadn't been broken in the first place. 
That's what God does with our lives. Suffering comes. It's, it's part of life. But the more we're broken, the stronger he can make us. The more suffering we can handle and keep moving forward, the more, man, the, the more suffering you face, the more opportunity God is probably going to raise you up as a leader. Because people who lead have to suffer much. So if you're suffering a lot, you may be someone that's going to be raised up to lead something. Look at the people in the Bible. You'll see it. The gold in the cracks of that pottery is a, a testimony. It shows that something bad happened, something tragic, something traumatic, something painful, but now it's stronger and more beautiful than ever. And that's what God does with our life. Don't feel like you've got to hide the scars. Just ask God to heal them. It's a beautiful thing. Revelations chapter 12 I've got verses 10 through 12, but I'm just going to skip down um, to the middle of this. It says, They triumphed over him, talking about Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury. Because he knows that his time is short. I love this, this passage of scripture. It tells us the two most powerful weapons in the arsenal of a Christian. The blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony. Man, don't be afraid of the suffering. Don't be ashamed of the cracks and the wounds that God has filled. That's your greatest weapon that you have aside from Jesus' blood. Those precious scars, that, those, those broken places made beautiful, that's what's going to change the world. When you show them, hey, look what God did for me. I love that these, these early Christians believed this so much that it says they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You've heard the stories of the early Christians. When the obstacle that fell in their path was even death, they kept running just like that guy in Neos. They didn't stop them. Nothing could stop them. They knew they had the spirit of victory inside of them. They had the spirit of God, the spirit of a champion. Even death itself couldn't stop them. Oh, there's death in the path. I'm running faster because nothing can stop me. And I love at the end, it lets us know that the reason Satan's really stirring up things, he's angry because he knows he doesn't have much time left. The truth is Satan knows he's already lost. He's going to try to scare you. He's going to try to make you worried. He's going to try to throw obstacles around to try to, to have you troubled. But what he really knows is, hey, I've already lost and my time is short. I've got to try to shake some things up. But your testimony can stop his power. You sharing with someone else, it will build their faith. It builds your faith. The test may be hard, but the testimony will be powerful. You may be in a hard test right now, but let me encourage you on the other side of it, and there is another side, and you will get to the other side. That's where your powerful testimony is. Don't be afraid of the test. Just keep moving forward. In this, this passage of Scripture from Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, we see Jesus using an obstacle as an opportunity. He used death as an opportunity to save us. We see him causing trouble by not staying dead. He turns things upside down, and then he testifies. After going through this difficult, painful uh, moment of suffering, and he dies physically and spiritually, 
the Spirit raises him back to life, and then he testifies. And I like to think of this as Jesus' victory lap. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19, it says, He went and made proclamation, or he announced to the imprisoned spirits. He made an announcement to the enemy that he has victory. A victory lap, if you ever watch car racing, like, uh, I don't know, the Indy 500 or NASCAR, where I'm from in, in Alabama, the only thing my town is known for is NASCAR. If you drive into my town, Hueytown, Alabama, there's a sign that says, Welcome to Hueytown, home of the Alabama gang. And the Alabama gang was like five or six race car drivers. We have Talladega in my home state. I'm not promoting the movie Talladega Nights, but if you have seen that, don't let that be a representation of my people in Alabama. We are not really like that. We're not that stupid. And, you know, but we do have Talladega there. And when it is race time, Talladega becomes a small city. Tens of thousands of people come to this racetrack to watch the cars race. And what happens in, in these races is after one of the drivers wins, he does a victory lap. That means just one slow lap driving around the track, kind of just making sure, hey, in case you missed it, in case I was going too fast earlier, I won. I got the victory. And that's what we see Jesus do in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19. He's already won the victory. He was already killed, and his, the Spirit has already raised him back to life. But before he came out of the tomb, he went to the enemy and said, hey, I win. You thought you killed me. You thought it was over. I'm back. And I've rescued every single one of them that my father loves. Jesus' victory lap. I love that. We can see this again and maybe even more clear in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Watch this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Basically meaning he paid the debt that we owed because of sin, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And here's the good part, or the even better part, because that was good already. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus, in those three days while he was dead, after the Spirit raised him back to life, he went and disarmed the enemy. He disarmed Satan and the demons. It says in Colossians, he disarmed them. He took the power. He took the authority. That's why we read that he has the keys. The one with the keys has the control. The one with the keys has the authority. Jesus took that from them, and he made a public spectacle of them, meaning he humiliated Satan publicly. He humiliated the enemy. He embarrassed the enemy in front of everyone. It looked like for a moment Satan had won. Jesus is dead. He's in the tomb. And here he comes back up. He makes sure they all know, hey, just so it's clear, I'm alive and I have the victory. And Satan is humiliated by it and ashamed. And what this means for us is Jesus defeated the enemy. And because of that, nothing in this world has power over us. He took the authority. He took the power. He disarmed our enemy. That means nothing in this life that stands against you can stop you. It may be scary. It may hurt. There may be some suffering. 
But nothing, nothing, nothing can stand in your way. If you are a son or daughter of God, any obstacle is an opportunity. You can run faster and jump right over that thing. Jesus won the victory, raised by the Spirit of God. The same Spirit is inside of us. And it means that whatever you are facing, Jesus has the final word. And the final word for you is victory. Every single one of you. Whatever, you, whatever you're facing, the final word is victory. And when you have the victory, you testify about it. You tell others. Can I ask the worship team to come up? One last very quick point. And I, I like this earlier. I knew the worship team had a new song, but I didn't know what the song was. And it actually mentioned this about when we had life as orphans. When we were orphans. It mentioned a lot of the things we talked about, but that was one of them. Point number four is this. If you want to win in this world, remember that God is your father, so you don't have to live like an orphan. We were singing that earlier, what life was like as orphans, and we needed someone to rescue us. God is our father. In Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, just to paraphrase it, it says that the spirit you received brought you adoption. You're not slaves so that you have to be afraid again. You're adopted as sons and daughters. It says we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with that Spirit inside of us that we are His children. We are heirs with Christ of the kingdom of God. All of this is good news for us. It says... Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There's going to be sufferings. Jesus suffered too. But Jesus also received glory and we will share in that. That's the good news for us. Because Jesus rose, we will rise. Because he ascended, we will have a place prepared for us, a home in heaven. John 14 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am.